Hi, thanks for joining the Talking Hoops podcast with Coach John Cook. Uh, today we're visiting with Tyler Neal, assistant coach of the Canton Charge, and I want to apologize before the episode starts for a minor, minor technical glitch a little over halfway through the episode. Uh, you'll notice there's some silence for a while as we lose connection with Tyler, but I hope you'll hang with us through that couple of minutes and enjoy our visit with Tyler Neal, assistant coach of the Canton Charge. Thanks again for listening to Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook. Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and this is the Talking Hoops podcast. Today's episode, we are fortunate to be joined by a lifelong friend of mine, Tyler Neal. I guess Tyler's whole life, not necessarily my whole life. I'm a little <laughs> bit older than Tyler is, but I've known Tyler a long, long time, and, and I feel real fortunate to have the opportunity to talk with a guy that's working in the NBA G League uh, for his career in coaching. But before that, uh, Tyler worked uh, his way through high school and into college to be a player uh, and then into the, the college coaching ranks um, before he made his way into the G League. And I just think his story is really interesting, and I'm looking forward to giving him the chance to tell that story before we start talking hoop specifics and the things that, that I want to chat about with Tyler today. So, Tyler, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing well, Coach. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm looking forward to it. So, there's a lot we can get into and talk about, and I know some of the people that are going to listen to this are going to be fully aware of who you are, and, and some aren't going to be. For those that don't know, uh, Tyler grew up in Bluffton, Ohio, and, and Tyler's dad, Guy, uh, has been the head coach at Bluffton University, formerly Bluffton College, uh, for more than 30 years, and, and Tyler was a, a part of that program when I coached there as a kid, always hanging around, being there uh, in the gym and, and the things, and then he became a player for his dad before going on. Uh, to graduate school after that. So I guess, Tyler, as much as anything else to get things started, I'd just like you to talk about your story, your background with your dad as a, as a college coach, um, things that, that occurred for you and how maybe that, that helped you as a high school player, uh, and then the, the experience of playing for your dad and then, and then beyond your undergrad work. Yeah, so, you know, basketball has basically been, uh, for lack of a better uh, term, you know, my life. I mean, uh, some of my best friend, family, people I consider family other than my immediate family. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a lot of uh, what I consider uh, brothers, extended family, guys that played for my dad, uh, guys that coached with my dad uh, throughout the years that I've become very close with and keep in touch with. Uh, even, you know, somebody like you, coach, who uh, I think probably the late 90s, early 2000s, I was around maybe eight, nine, 10 years old uh, when I first met you and just how we've maintained our relationships. So, you know, every, uh, all the, the good things in my life have come from basketball. So, you know, starting out, uh, as you mentioned, uh, as a young kid, I'd, I'd leave school. Um, I'd walk two or three blocks down the, down the street and go hang around uh, my dad's team at the, at the college there. And, you know, I, I remember being in his office doing my homework or I'd be, uh, you know, in the gym with the ball getting, shooting myself as some of his players would trickle in. And I'd sit and watch practice. Uh, you know, not every day, but, but most days during the season, I think I'd be in there. And then even when I was lucky or uh, my mom would allow it, would would go on trips with the team to some of the closer away games. And, you know, I just grew up around a team and in the gym. So it just uh, it felt natural to me 
there was always something that uh, I liked being around. Not only the game itself, which I love, I love to play, love to watch, but uh, just the camaraderie and, um, you know, just being a part of something that when you're there, you know, is, is uh, uh, special and it just brings people together. So, so that's been the good part for me. And then I was able to take all those things into my, my own playing career um, uh, into, you know, high school. And, uh, uh, you know, I was a, a, a good small, small high school player. Uh, I don't. I, I would have never. I probably would have told you I was better than than that at the time. But uh, looking back, you know, I, uh, I was a, a solid high school player for at a small school. Uh, you know, was good enough to to then go play uh, at the Division three level at Bluffton for my dad, where I was a uh, I think a solid a solid piece to the program. I wasn't an all conference player. I wasn't. Uh, anything like that. I worked my tail off and had a great experience. And, uh, you know, that kind of led me into my career, which uh, so far I've, I spent three years at the University of Akron with uh, Keith Dambrot. And I just completed my, well, haven't fully completed my fourth year, but uh, this would have been my, this was my fourth season uh, with the Cavaliers G League team, uh, the Canton Charge in Canton, Ohio. So. That's kind of my journey uh, in, in a brief description up to this point. Well, and, and I think it, it was brief because I know that the story behind getting from Akron to yeah. Canton, while it's not a very far drive, it would be an, an easy commute. Uh, your journey right. from working on the staff at Akron to working for the staff with the charge, I think is one of the neatest stories I've ever heard about your, your efforts to make that happen. So would you mind relaying some of that story? Because I just think it's absolutely fascinating. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, I think, uh, and just uh, to kind of, before we get into that specific story, it's one of the things um, when I was finishing up at Bluffton and kind of, I think in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted to be involved with basketball as for a career at some capacity, whether it was, whether it was on the business side, coaching, I don't know. I never really kind of said, Hey, I'm going to coach. I think, in the back of my mind, there's probably a good, good chance I want to do that. Uh, I didn't know. I had interviewed for several uh, jobs. I have a business degree. Uh, I mean, I interviewed at some different banks. Uh, I interviewed, uh, you know, several different uh, places on the business side of things and was lucky enough uh, through just a, a uh, former, uh, not a colleague, but uh, just a coaching friend and a prior relationship that my dad had with coach Dan brought to to go over there and talk to him about a possible graduate assistantship that was coming open coming coming open for the uh, upcoming season the upcoming year and you know I that's when I kind of realized okay you know uh, this is a different industry this isn't something where oh, okay yeah I think I want to get into coaching all right, let's get on LinkedIn or Indeed and see what jobs are posted and I'll apply for it. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, you could do that, but I don't know how far you're going to get in. That's when I, I quickly learned that it's all about networking. It's all about building trust. And I think even more than, than most industries. So that kind of takes you to, I was able to get my foot in the door at Akron and I, I, I had to, uh, I wasn't somebody that played there. Uh, I quickly learned that the, the level that I was able to play at, uh, nobody cared about there. Um, uh, 
Uh, and I kind of had to earn my stripes and earn respect just by effort and uh, kind of building a reputation of just, of just uh, working, working hard, doing whatever is needed, uh, putting in endless hours, weird hours, um, and just being, becoming a trustworthy uh, employee. So I think that's the first part that, that allowed me to get to where I am. Uh, and then I got to a point where I realized, okay, uh, these guys will have my back and help me vouch for me. Okay. But now I got to start making some other connections. If I want to move on, uh, maybe take another step up the ladder uh, with, at a different school or uh, at, you know, maybe I was interested in the professional stuff because I think the one thing that intrigued me about maybe trying to, uh, get an opportunity at that level is there's so many uh, options there's there's I think more opportunities you know the higher level of basketball you get they're able to hire more people bigger staffs uh, and a good and bad thing is it's it's a little bit more of a revolving door so more a year there's probably more openings uh, at that level I think than maybe like at the division three level uh, so I made it a point my my Third year at Akron, you know, I, w I really wanted to give myself a chance to, um, because the, the unique thing about Coach Danbrot's staff is they're so loyal and they've been together for so long, you know, none of them are, you know, they're sticking together. And where, you know, some other staffs, you might have some younger guys that are looking to move on quick or this and that. And that just wasn't going to happen because those guys uh, stick together and, you know, they want to work together. Uh, and so, you know, that was the good and bad thing about that. And for me, uh, I wanted to move and continue to grow and maybe try to take the next step. So I made it a point in my last year at Akron to reach out to two or three people a day. And by doing that, um, you know, some people never responded. I would write notes. I would write a little note card just expressing uh, my interest in, in their own uh, career or, you know, asking for advice and just just explaining, I'm just looking to create connections. And, you know, through that, I was able to get some really great feedback from, um, you know, some people of, in all areas of the game. Uh, one in particular that was, was really helpful and something that, uh, you know, I think eventually led to where I'm at is um, I had just written a note to um, David Griffin, who at the time was the general manager of the Cavaliers. And this was uh, the year that they ended up winning the, the world championship. So uh, I, I went to my office or uh, the office that I shared with the other GAs at Akron and I checked my email in the morning as I always do. And I had a, an email from David Griffin and um, answered all my questions and said, invited me up for a game, a Cavaliers game. He said, gave me a couple of dates, said, come on up, uh, I'll meet you before the game. And, we can sit down and talk and then hopefully I can help you out. And, you know, um, and so, you know, for me, that was just it blew me away. I think any, it would anybody. So uh, from there, you know, I went up to a game and uh, it was probably, he, he had me into his little office there at the arena uh, about an hour and a half, two hours before tip off and gave me 15 minutes of his time and just asked me questions, what I wanted to do. And, uh, I was able to pick his brain and, and just create a relationship. And it was, it was the coolest thing. And uh, it, it was something that really uh, motivated me to keep doing more of that. 
because one guy like that responds to you and takes interest and uh, shares a little bit about their story or shares some advice. Uh, you know, you want to you want to try to meet the next person. And so from there, you know, I was able to uh, just kind of keep following up and stay in touch. And he put me in touch with some of his uh, uh, colleagues and, and people that uh, were more on the, the hiring level for, uh, you know, I guess the G League and uh, what was going to become available that summer. And one thing just kind of led to another. I ended up uh, uh, flying myself out to the NBA Summer League that July. And was able to kind of uh, meet some of these other people in, in person. One of them was Mike Ganzi, who's uh, at the time was the general manager for the Charge. Now he's the assistant general manager for the Cavaliers. And, uh, you know, the NBA Summer League, what I've come to know, is, is kind of like the Final Four for a lot of, you know, somebody like you, Coach, who's been to the Final Fours before. It's a great networking event. And so I would compare the NBA Summer League to kind of the the professional basketball is final four where people go and they network and, you know, people are approachable. And so it was really great. Some of the people that I had kind of been emailing back and forth and, you know, uh, that I had connected with throughout that year, I was able to, to put a face to my name and, and um, show them, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm out here and I'm, I'll do whatever it takes to get my foot in the door. And so, so eventually, uh, yeah. So you're, you're, Essentially, your first email or note to David Griffin was a cold call, essentially, and your decision to put, pay your own money and get on a plane and go to the NBA Summer League was, was kind of a face-to-face -face cold call, really, for you just to get in front of people? Yeah, because I, uh, I eventually – yeah, I got to the point where I was kind of – I wasn't going to give in. I wasn't going to stop uh, chasing the coaching thing but I just kind of got to a, a dead to rights where it's was like, all right, I got to make something happen this year. You know, uh, I wasn't making uh, hardly any money as a graduate assistant, as I'm sure a lot of coaches know how that goes. And uh, I was going to be, I was turning 26 that summer. So, you know, I, I couldn't be on my parents' health insurance anymore. And uh, I just was bound and determined to, to make something happen. And it, it's kind of what it took. So, uh, fast forward to September of that same summer uh, or fall. That's 2016, um, right? 2016. I, I was, you know, I didn't have anything really uh, concrete at that point. I was, I was still helping out at Akron and uh, just had kind of decided, well, I'm just going to stay here. Then I'll, I'll figure it out for another year here. It's a great place, great program, and great to be associated with the Akron basketball uh, brand. And out of nowhere, I think it was a day after I kind of had decided that, you know, with myself and after talking to my dad and my family, uh, literally like a day later, I get a call from uh, from the general manager of the charge at that time. Uh, and they said that, you know, hey, we have this this position open. It was a uh, basically the video coordinator uh, slash uh, intern position for their G League team. And. Uh, one thing led to another. I interviewed and a couple times, and then I ended up getting. So uh, the rest is kind of history, uh, as far as that goes. And that's kind of how it transpired. So you gambled on yourself. Is is that a fair way to look at things? I mean, you had interviews in the corporate world and 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 opportunities to maybe pursue jobs there. And you, out of a desire to really, as you said, chase this coaching thing, you you kind of gambled on yourself. I would say so. I, I think at that point I was, uh, I even interviewed for 
uh, like a medical sales position in Northeast Ohio. And I just, I got about halfway through the interview and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. You know, I put, I grew up in a gym. I belong, uh, I belong on the basketball court. And so, yeah, I, I, I guess I did bet on myself and it was just kind of bound and determined to make something happen, whether it was going to be now or in two years. So uh, luckily, you know, I got a good opportunity. So you spent how many years? Talk to me about how many years you spent in that video coordinator's position. Was that two full seasons? So, uh, so at Akron, I was a graduate assistant for two years. My third year, I was the video coordinator there uh, in a part-time role. And I was the video coordinator for one full season in Canton. Um, my second year, uh, I got promoted to uh, assistant coach slash uh, basketball operations liaison because that was the first year that they incorporated the two-way contracts. So, um, so you know, we have a couple guys that are constantly going up and down. And, um, you know, just somebody to help coordinate that more efficiently and keep those guys filled in, um, as well as, um, you know, keeping tabs on some of the other uh, two-way type players in the league as well. So uh, I did that for uh, a season and then, my third year and going into this season, I was just a, a you know, full-time assistant. So I've been in that role for two years now. So before you become a full-time, I'll use the phrase on the bench assistant, before you get into mm -hmm. that role, what, what's a typical day in the life of a guy in the role you had? Uh, as far as like the video room? Or yeah, GA when, you were, or when you were doing the when you were doing the liaison stuff with the, with the, yeah, the ten or two-way contracts. What what was a typical day like for you in that spot? Yeah, so you know nothing really different. My, I was still you know obviously with the G League team every day. It was just I had a little more, I guess I was doing a little more, kind of just you know just keeping tabs more with, um, those two-way guys and even for the other teams. So maybe just. Uh, you know, because typically, uh, you know, they're, they're scouts at games uh, from the NBA club. You know, if there was an instance where maybe, you know, we're on the road or we didn't have a scout there, I would kind of just take some notes and report on that that player, whether it was from our team or the opposing team that might have been sent down, uh, to give you an example. But, uh, you know, nothing really changed. I just kind of had some more uh, – other stuff on my plate and then also you know some of the logistical stuff like okay so and so is coming down uh you know making sure that his hotel was set up for the night or his apartment stuff like that more operational stuff right well and i know that's not something we want to spend a ton of time on but i just i wanted to hear a little bit about it I, what i'm what i'm real interested in hearing about your experience with is you and i talked i don't know last summer sometime um because of your involvement with uh, the charge. I think you got your foot kind of in the door, or at least had a door opened where you could pursue some possibilities of being involved with USA basketball. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think just being involved uh, with some of the programs that I was lucky enough to be involved with and going back to my days at Akron, uh, uh, a guy that is a really good friend of mine now, his name is Alan Deep and he works for the uh, New York Next organization. He's actually an assistant with their G League team, the Westchester Knicks. So he, when I was kind of leaving Akron, 
uh, on my way out, he was coming in. And uh, he actually worked out in Las Vegas for uh, a number of years and uh, was trying to get back into the basketball game. And uh, he started helping out at Impact in Las Vegas where uh, a lot of pros go to train and so forth. So when the USA Club was out there doing a training camp, he ended up getting hooked up and helping out and kind of create a relationship with those guys. And um, now, you know, he, he works at other events. So through him, I create, I, I create a relationship with him and we, we, we actually have become to be really good friends. So uh, through him, I was kind of able to get involved in that and uh, was able to uh, work. So my first, I went out in uh, the fall, September of 2018, I was able to be a member of the support staff for one of the FIBA uh, qualifying windows. So I don't know if we need to get into the, you know, all of that, how that works, but essentially uh, they've been using G League players for these windows. And some of them actually occur during the, bat, you know, the NBA season. So the USA has been using G League players to just to qualify for the World Cup. And then, you know, through the World Cup, you qualify for the Olympics. So I was able to, to work, um, a training camp um, in the fall of 2018. And that particular group was, uh, you know, that group was coached by uh, Coach Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy. And, you know, I was just there. I just support staff. And for me, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of, I was kind of the GA again. Um, you know, I was rebounding, you know, guys that needed, wanted to work out or shoot, I was rebounding. I was wiping up sweat. Uh, you know, I was, uh, but just to be in there and listen and see how he ran his practices and to be around the talent and that culmination of, of talent, uh, you know, was just invaluable. And so because I was involved in that, then I was able, they invited me to come work to the World Cup training camp last summer. Uh, they did a session in uh, Las Vegas and then uh, kind of reconvened in um, LA for, for a week before they ended up going to Australia, uh, and then to, uh, China for the, for the world cup. Uh, so, you know, that was, they had two teams out there. So they had the NBA guys kind of the, uh, you know, like Donovan Mitchell and, um, uh, you know, who else, Jay, Jason Tatum, all those guys played it, Kimball Walker, um, the national team. Uh, with Coach Popovich and all those guys. And then they also had the select team. So the select team was kind of the younger NBA guys that were kind of up and, cup, up and coming. Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, Pat Connaughton. Um, so because I had worked with Coach Van Gundy, uh, just being on the support staff, helping out, I knew how he ran his practices. So I went, you know, I helped with the select team. And then they'd bring the two teams together and finish practice together. So, again, just to be able to be part of that, and even though I think everybody that, you know, does the USA stuff and even players included, I think you heard uh, during the last dance, some of those guys talk about, you know, I go from being the superstar on my team, you play for, for Team USA, you know, you, you kind of have to take a different role. And it's the same thing with the staff, you know. I mean, uh, so I, I went back to kind of being a, a ball boy, a glorified ball boy, but just being in there and being able to, be in those practices and, and hear those guys is incredible. Well, Tyler, I, I think, and I've said for a long time, and obviously the, the, the different levels of basketball all carry uh, 
different challenges, but I think the one thing that sometimes is lacking with, with guys in the coaching profession is they, they aren't willing at times to look at every single opportunity to be in the gym as, as a real opportunity. Uh, and I, and mm-hmm. I'm hearing your story from high school player to, to college and playing for your dad to trying to get your foot in the door. And, and it, it sounds to me like more than anything else, you've just taken very seriously the notion that every time you can get in front of a, a new connection, it's a great opportunity. 100%, 100%. And I would go on to say, you know, no matter, I think, no matter what your title becomes or whatever, you know, what level you can get to, I think the misconception is, uh, you know, the higher you get, the less you have to work or the less kind of dirty jobs you have to do. Well, you know, I think it's the opposite. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you're the head coach, you have, there's, there's a different level of dirty jobs. Like, you know, you make some hard decisions or, uh, you know, maybe when you're a GA, hey, you got to go pick up the food. So I think the misconception is, you know, maybe the higher up you get, the less kind of dirty jobs you have to do, but it never leaves you. It's just a different type of dirty job. So uh, that's the other thing I've kind of learned with that as well. Well, and I, I think it's valuable and worthwhile. And I think it's a, for anybody that might be listening to us, that's an aspiring coach. I think that's an invaluable lesson. I was, you know, fortunate enough, I think, to work as a student assistant. Uh, I'd have rather been a college player, but I was a student assistant. And I think being a student assistant in a college program, you, you learn that is that there are no insignificant roles because every role is an opportunity uh, for something. And it looks like you've taken a lot of different roles and created great opportunities for yourself. So you've moved from the college level as a player, college assistant, graduate assistant on a college staff into the pro game. I would like to spend a little time, if you don't mind, talking about pros versus college and talking a little bit about, you know, what you've been exposed to and and how you mesh those things or how you move from one level to the next. And, And the reason I say that is, you know, I know who you played for in high school and I know what you mean what you did in high school as a point guard running the old Kansas two game stuff for coach Shuttler, um, that, that's solid X's and O's, but you're doing something that almost has got to feel like a different language now. Yeah. Well, I'll correct you. Uh, coach Shuttler was my junior high gym teacher. Uh, I, you know, I played for coach Bollett for three and coach, coach Pritchard for a year. Okay. Coach Pritchard for my freshman year. So, uh, you know, I'll credit him with uh, for toughening me up a little bit uh, my freshman year. But uh, so yeah, no, that's a great uh, that's a great point because you know, especially for me growing up around my dad, you know, I kind of had a uh, and I think everybody does. You grow up with a certain language, a certain basketball language or lingo uh, or terminology that you become used to. You know, if you're in a good high school program, you kind of maybe learn that, start learning that when you're in, you know, maybe the youth leagues uh, into junior high and then into high school if you have the same coach. And, you know, just talking the game with my dad every day growing up and then playing for him, you know, I kind of had a, a, a pretty uh, – it's kind of cemented in me, you know, his kind of basketball language or lingo. And so then I go to Akron – and it's some of it's the same, but it's just you know it's uh, some of it's different. And figuring out a new way of teaching things, and um, you know some of his different terminology and Coach Dambrot's. 
And then the big difference was from, for me, was from college to pro. And it was like a whole new language to me. And I think anybody would say that because I think in the NBA, or uh, at least in yeah the NBA and, and in the G League, with how much guys bounce from team to team with trades, free agencies, uh, you know, getting signed, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, there was a guy last year that played on eight different NBA clubs in one season. So you have to have, for that reason, there's some sort of uh, consistency uh, throughout the league as far as terminology and maybe actions. Not exactly the same, uh, but pretty similar, pretty close. And the, the great thing about the NBA game and, and into the G League game that's been great, and I, I think the best part for me has been it all fits together. It all comes together. And it really made me kind of see the game differently um, because of that terminology and how everything flows together. And it, it becomes – makes it easier to teach and, uh, and to, to figure things out where, you know, and I think that the difference too is a lot of these players – and I, I, I went from high school to D- Division three college to a mid-major Division one to G League – and now I've been able to see some NBA stuff up close and how good some of these guys are at this level. Uh, you know, you have to be able to be more versatile. And I'd say that, you know, I think with uh, each level you go up, you know, maybe in high school, hey, we're hard hedging every single ball screen, right? That's what we do. That's right. what we do. And you even see that with, you know, high major college programs. And if it works, then why, you know, why would you change it? But at this, you know, with some of our guys, you know, we have to be more uh, kind of versatile and be able to know on the fly, okay, it's this guy and this guy's setting the screen, so this is the coverage we're in. Um, and so just being able to think on the fly and get creative uh, with that stuff is something I think is the biggest difference that's kind of forced me to adapt to from maybe the high school or the college game to, you know, the G League uh, style of play. Okay, so so from a practice and a teaching standpoint, uh, I'm going to guess, obviously with no real knowledge, I'm going to guess that quote-unquote practice at the professional level is going to look a ton different than practice, even even at the Division I college level in terms of how you approach teaching. If there's a fairly common language, because there has to be for accommodating guys that are coming in and roster changes and year-to-year, those kind of things, um, is there still a certain amount of breakdown teaching or is, is what you do in practice primarily five on five and we, and we use our terminology and our language to talk ourselves through everything on the fly? Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, that's when you're in training camp and, uh, you know, that's when, you know, you kind of, you do all the drilling and, and the, uh, the breakdowns, more of the breakdowns and stuff like that uh, at the pro level. Um, and then, you know, the further you get into the season, yeah, it becomes more of uh, mental reps. And, you know, I, I can remember from, you know, when I was playing at Bluffton and, and at Akron, it was kind of the same thing. Now the difference is uh, you get to kind of midseason form a lot quicker at the pro level because, you know, we're playing three, four games a week sometimes. So, it's physically impossible at times to to drill or to break down and really do a shell. So it becomes a lot of walkthroughs. It becomes a lot of uh, video, probably more so 
Um, but it's all the same uh, teaching points and messages different ways kind of more creative ways because uh, at the end of the day you know a lot of these guys that are at our level and that stick are guys that understand the game understand the game know how to play the game and understand the teaching points so uh, so you're able to kind of show them maybe not have to drill it as much or go through it as much in the midst of the season um, so I think that's the biggest difference it's probably more mental reps earlier on in the season. Uh, and walking through stuff as opposed to to drilling it, uh, you know. Now, I think uh, you could still do that. It just got to be in shorter doses. You know, uh, I've heard some coaches call them vitamins, you know, you, quick, short doses of things. And I think that's the best way to do it because it's such a long season for these guys. And I think the best thing you can do is keep them fresh and, and uh, you know, uh, keep them feeling good, not only, you know, physically or uh, fresh, but you know, with their shots and the player development stuff. Uh, because at the end of the day, like I said, these guys, if they stick and, they've he and they're here, that's because they understand how to play. Uh, they understand the, the X's and O's side of things. So if we can get them feeling good about their bodies and about their games, I think the, they perform. They tend to perform. I, I've always felt, Tyler, that my personal opinion is that the, that the best coaches at the college level are guys that legitimately teach that they're really they understand teaching and and, and maybe even understand learning uh one of the reasons i always enjoyed working for your dad was i thought i thought he was a teacher and he's a, he's a basketball coach but he was a teacher mm -hmm. um however at the pro level I, you know the, the question i would have is is there as much is it about teaching or do those guys are, are they still teaching or is it more uh about managing personalities and and just the x's and o's Yeah, it's still, yeah, there's still a lot of teaching involved. Uh, and again, I think just from, you know, like I said, at this level, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, making shots. Let's not, you know, it's still basketball. But, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the teaching and the, the schemes and, uh, you know, it can get somewhat complex. I mean, um, you know, for every ball handler in a ball screen and for every screener, you know, there's a, a, a certain coverage. And to be able to communicate that and then execute it in two seconds, you know, you got to know what you're doing. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, again, it, it goes back to the, it's a balancing act. I think just as it is at a lot of levels, uh, you know, because these guys are ultra talented, uh, you know, they're, they're world-class athletes, really good at what they do. So, uh, you know, I think the difference is, you know, communication, because all these guys at our level in the G League, everybody wants to get out of the G League. You know, everybody wants to get to the NBA or get that big contract in the Euro League or whatever it may be. Nobody grows up saying, I want to play in the G League. Man, I, you know, I want to grow up and be the uh, starting center for the G League team, right? Uh, so the biggest key is communication. You know, every all these guys want to learn. They want to get better. They want to sit down and watch the film and see this, where they messed up or what they did good, and then they want to get their work in. Uh, and if they don't, then they're not going to last long. But uh, so it's, it's all about communication. And I'll say, you know, I'm with a great organization that really uh, emphasizes getting high-character guys. 
and we've had you know a ton of great guys uh, that I've been lucky enough to um, to be around, and you know I learn a lot from them as well. Uh, so so it's a balancing act, and communication is the key. You know, just constantly talking to to these guys about their role, or uh, you know, because the second you stop communicating, well, then we start assuming, and it's, it's just human nature, and then that's when the bad the negative thoughts come into play. So I think that's the key. No matter what it is, communication is key. Well, so I have, I guess, a couple of questions before I, I switch gears a little bit. But so you've, you've been through essentially a little more than a season and a half uh, as a full-time on-the-bench assistant coach. You obviously didn't get to finish this year. But talk to me, if you will, about some of your, I guess, best memories, biggest memories. What's, what, what are some, some highlights for you during the, the last couple of years working directly with the charge? Um, you know, I think uh, it's hard to pick. I, you know, I mean, when I first got hired, um, you know, they invited me up to uh, – to And, you know, I walk in and practice. See me? Hear me? Yep. Let's all right. Up. Start it back up. <laughs> it's all right. It shut off on me. I don't know. Go ahead and pick back up where you were. Yeah. So you know, I get hired. Um, get hired in uh, the fall of 2016, right off the Cavs uh, championship, and I think probably uh, that was kind of a moment for me where it was. It's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, they invited me up, um, officially get hired, invited me up to a day of the Cavs training camp. Um, and, then, you know, I walk in there and uh, the Cavs are practicing and it's LeBron and it's it's Kyrie, K-Love, all of those guys. And, um, you know, for me, it was just kind of, it was kind of like uh, a little moment for me as far as kind of all the work I'd put in in the, uh, my the previous three years of just kind of chasing this coaching career and um, more specifically maybe something at the professional level so that was just a little moment for me just being in there and because before that moment for me being around those players was a uh, uh, it was a it was kind of felt like well I'm, I'm supposed to be in here as opposed to any other time I would have seen those guys it was like 
there was a barrier between us. And not that it was about those guys or anything like that, but for me, it was just a moment where like, you know, um, and so just a cool moment for me. And I think, I mean, you know, that really isn't a, a, any, that doesn't have anything to do with me coaching uh, specifically at all. But I think that was a moment for me. And then, uh, you know, we had um, uh, an NBA vet that ended up playing for us, um, Kendrick Perkins, my second year. Uh, he was in training camp with the Cavs and he came down and um, the Cavs weren't going to keep him for the regular season. And he still wanted to play and still wanted to work. And he came down and played with us for most of the year in Canton. And, you know, I, I learned far more from him than he ever learned from me. Uh, just somebody that it was another example for me uh, to take um, forward as I continue to work with other guys, younger guys that uh, are learning how to be pros and, and et cetera. Uh, so that for me to be able to experience Perk uh, and just watch him every day and hear what he says and how to be a pro uh, really uh, helped me out as a coach to see that. Uh, so now, you know, in two, three, four, the five years following and, and going forward into my career, you know, I'm I'm thinking back, okay, well, you know, how did Perk, what, as a pro, an ultra, uh, ultimate pro, how did, what did Perk do in this situation? So I kind of reference him, uh, use him as an example, uh, an NBA champion. Uh, and the fact that he wasn't too above coming down and playing in the G League, he just wanted to keep playing and keep working. You know, so because he loves to do that. So that that was another kind of instance for me uh, in my, you know, couple of years there that have, that have been, uh, you know, kind of influential for me. So I, I guess I'll piggyback off of that. You talk about players kind of teaching you some things. It's got to be a little bit fun, doesn't it, for you to be in a spot where I got to, I would, I'm just guessing, but I would have to guess on some level you're, you're helping your dad keep growing. Are you getting to teach a little bit? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the cool part uh, for our relationship. Uh, fortunate enough to be around some 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 other coaches and uh, maybe some other philosophies and things that I'm picking up. Uh, you know, I'm able to share that with him. And, you know, it's allowed our, I guess, basketball talks to, uh, you know, it, it's given us uh, kind of a, uh, yeah, it just gave us, gives us more topics. I mean, I think the amount of high-level uh, basketball discussions we've had in the last handful of years have been, they're fun. You know, we already have that connection on that level with, you know, uh, the basketball interest and it's our, both of our passions. Um, but I think, you know, the more that I've been able to kind of learn from other coaches, uh, whether it's the college level or the professional, it's, yeah, it's been fun for us to kind of, you know, I come home and we kind of, you know, hash stuff out or, you know, and I follow his team. I still, uh, I care about his players and, and, uh, you know, I follow them closely and I help them as much as I can and any knowledge I can give them or mentorship. And so, uh, you know, I'll, not only on my end, but I'm following his team and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, may, you know, let's 
you know, what do you, what, what was that little thing you did with, with Des there or so-and-so? So yeah, it's created, kind of opened up a new door for us as terms, in terms of the basket, our basketball discussions. Well, I was fortunate enough to make it over to his gym a few times this year for the first time in a while. And he, he is, uh, he's definitely been energized. Uh, yeah. I think the things you're doing, I don't think there's any question about that. And that's, that's fun to watch. I mean, it just really is. So I guess the final thing I, I want to ask you is, you know, we, we've been indoctrinated in this culture that we are a part of that, you know, guys get five-year plans or four-year plans or three-year plans. And, and, and it seems like it was in vogue for a long time to have your course kind of charted out and, and kind of have your check boxes as you progress toward goals. But it, it sounds to me like the position that you're in because there's such a, an uncertainty about the, the, the professional level from year to year um, it's difficult to have a, a concrete quote unquote plan. How do you, how do you look at the future when you look ahead right now? You know, yeah, that's a great point. That's something that uh, at first, eh, you know, I still struggle with it a little um, because, you know, at the end of the day, um, and I think most of us understand that, you know, I guess the higher level it is, whether it's, you know, high major division one, or, uh, you know, even when I went from, you know, like Bluffton to Akron, uh, one of the biggest differences I noticed was, okay, this is more of a business. Uh, economically, this affects far more people, uh, you know, than it may at like Bluffton. And then even more so when I went to, uh, you know, the professional level. Um, so and with that, because it's more of a business and there, you know, I guess the, the, uh, repercussions, or not the repercussions, but there's just more of a, of an effect on, uh, you know, people's, I guess, livelihoods. So um, that's something that I think you just kind of grow to understand and uh, it is a business. And I think I've learned that more uh, with each level I've gone up. So it's something you have to accept. Uh, it's, it's probably, uh, yeah, that's part of it, the uncertainty. Uh, and that's something, um, Probably my most uh, least favorite part of maybe this level, um, but you know it's it's what it is, and um, you know you just you just gotta have faith that you, if you do a good job and you do the right things, it's always gonna work out. Uh, and you know, like I said, I really struggled with that. I kind of okay, you know, this year's completed. You know, what's next? You know, and um, unless you kind of have a a five-year deal or something like that it's uh that's kind of how it is so i've grown to accept it and just uh you know it's what you deal with so well i know also for for your own good and your own benefit you also do some some personal training some skills training uh with kids and you've had to adjust during the the quarantine period you want to talk a little bit about what you've got going there yeah so uh kind of started when i was a ga at akron and um you know, again, living on a, a GA salary, you, uh, you know, you're not eating um, filet mignons and lobster mac and cheese every night. So, so I actually started working with uh, some younger players. Uh, so uh, we had some, we had really big uh, youth camps at Akron in the summers. And just from that, you know, I had a couple of parents ask me, if, you know, hey, you know, would you, you know, ever do private lessons for my son, uh, this or that? Um, and so it kind of grew and it was kind of how I ended up kind of paying, 
paying my rent and, and, you know, paying for my, uh, you know, pizzas on, uh, on the weekends. Uh, and it was just kind of like a supplemental income for me and it just kind of grew. And then, um, kind of in the off seasons when I got to Canton, uh, kind of just kept it going and, um, the accumulate, I probably worked with over a hundred, um, a hundred players over, uh, you know, five or six years, you know, from ages eight to, uh, you know, to professional guys. So um, during this, I, I do that in my kind of when we have some downtime and uh, I like doing it and it's a, you know, it's kind of my uh, a business for me as well. But, you know, I, since we've been kind of quarantined here during this whole thing, I uh, created a way to, it started, I want some of the younger kids that I was working with in the summers, uh, you know, since gyms are closed and obviously we can't meet up to work out, uh, basically created an app, uh, a way that I can kind of keep progressing them on some of the skill development uh, that we were working on uh, previously. So basically uh, they can download an app, this app, and still receive uh, customized workouts uh, based on their individual skill needs and age and et cetera. Uh, and it's, uh, it's called hoops at home. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's been a good resource, I think, for some of those younger players that I've worked with uh, over the last handful of years. Well, it sounds awesome. And I've spread the word already a little bit around here and I'm going to keep doing that for you. I, I hope that's something that you can really benefit from. And I, I just, I like guys that want to share the game and, and, and share what they know and, and keep, especially keep kids excited about it. And during this time, it's not real easy to do that. So I'm, 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 I'm excited for that. And like I said, we'll, we'll spread the word for you and hope that it works out well for you. And, um, you know, the last thing I guess I, I want to say uh, to you and maybe ask of you is, you know, when you consider everything you've been through to get to this point, and you consider that you're still a very young coach, uh, do you keep open the possibility of maybe three or four different scenarios working out for you as a long-term career in coaching, or are you locked into trying to stay in the professional ranks? I mean, you've made a ton of connections and you're, they, they all serve you well, but, but in your mind, when you look at, at how things are going to progress for you, do, do you see yourself trying to stay in that professional track or do you have a, a plan A, B, C, and D? Right now, uh, where I am in my my life, um, I do like the uh, the G League level and the professional level. I think ultimately, you know, my goal right now, as a, as my life stands today, would be to uh, you know get to an NBA bench or behind the bench at some point. Uh, very difficult to do, and it it's one of those things where, again, networking comes into to play, and uh, you got to have some good luck. You got to have some good luck as well because, uh, you know, there's there's thousands, tens of thousands of great basketball coaches out there, and, um, you know, whether it's high school, college, uh, pro, uh, you know. So I guess that would be my kind of just short-term thinking. That's my my kind of my ultimate goal. But I know that again, the uncertainty uh, of coaching and at this level is, you know, you never know. You never know. So. Um, if I were to end up at a small college, uh, at some point I would never, you know, that'd be, that'd be fine with me as well. I guess part of it depends on 
know, where I am at, uh, where I'm at with my life and my family situation, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm always going to keep my options open. That's another thing that I've learned is, uh, you know, you, you don't really uh, get to kind of pick your next job. It's, it's whatever opportunity uh, becomes available to you. And I think those opportunities come from the job uh, that you've done in the past and, and um, how people view you and, and uh, your experiences with them. So again, it play it all comes down to to your network and your relationships. So um, you know, as long as I'm involved in the game uh, and and part of a team, I'll be happy. Uh, and I, you know, so that that's at the end of the day, I'll be happy if I'm part of a team. Well, it it would be a an incredible disservice to say that the basketball gods have treated you well because they have, but. Absolutely. The truth, yeah. truth of the matter is, you've worked your ass off to 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 get some of that luck and. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier for you uh, to be where you are. And, and I'm really anxious to see where things go. And more than anything else, I just appreciate like crazy you taking the time to sit down and do something like this uh, for me uh, during a time like this. And if I don't totally botch the technology side of this, we'll get this thing up and running and, and it'll be great. And I want to plan on doing it again. We may have to do it again because it's necessary uh, to make <laughs> it work. But, but I want to have the opportunity to have you on again if we, if we keep this this thing moving like we hope to and and maybe if things get back to quote unquote normal we can we can we can do this again down the road i'd sure like that yeah it was fun i appreciate you taking the interest in in uh myself and my career as you always have you've been a a great support uh uh part of my support system through my coaching career and a great family friend so it's always great to catch up with you. And uh, as always, I appreciate everything you've done for me. And, you know, we go way back. We go way back. I, I still remember a speech you gave at the 1998 uh, Bluffton Pirate basketball camp. In the middle uh, school, in, right? In the, in the middle school. Yeah, so, I remember, yeah like I, I said. So, uh, you know, you've been planting seeds in, into my brain for years. So, so I, I appreciate it. Well, I, I, we will definitely plan on doing this again. You take care of yourself through the rest of this time, and we'll hook up again soon. Sounds great, Coach. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode of Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook and our visit with Tyler Neal, the assistant coach, for the Canton Charge. If you are interested in following Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook, you can catch us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to talk to you soon.